welcome to the 9642 podcast. This is your host, Mr. Number 9. And this is The Fool. This is where me and The Fool give our unqualified and unrequested ramblings on the various issues in the world of sport. Or something like that. Hello everyone and welcome today to the 11th of December 2022 here in Auckland, New Zealand yeah. where we have just completed the quarterfinals and the round of 16. Mm-hmm. Many apologies that we couldn't get a, a podcast in for the round of 16 to review it but uh, time just we just couldn't find any. No, yeah. We tried. We really tried but yeah, it didn't work out. If only we had a rich patron to pay us money to do this all the time. Or could be many, lots of medium rich ones as well, you know. Anything. That's true. That's true. Either or. Either or. If We're I'm... not fussy. No. <laughs> We're happy to be beholden to capital. Yeah, 100%. We can be bought. Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so let us get through to the rounds of 16. First up, Netherlands versus the USA, 3-1. Great Mm. game, great performance from the Netherlands. And you got to love it, right after the game, Louis van Gaal started playing mind games with Brazil, who they weren't even going (laughs) to face in the next round yet. (laughs) Got to love Louis. But yeah, no spoilers, Louis van Gaal has been on fire this tournament. Like, just incredibly good. Just like, it's just... is this the last time we're going to see a team like the Netherlands? Like a team that is both materialistic, uses what it does, but has that philosophy, that Dutch philosophy of we figure out a way to get our best players in cause that and get the best out of them. Yeah. Like Louis van Gaal is like the master of that. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I guess it's coming from having the ideology of, you say, doing the best of what we've got. But just like yeah, the ideology and, is the materialism part of it. Yeah, and also like, you know, not afraid to do things that he might get criticized for. Like, yeah, you yeah. know, like, I don't think, I think we can all agree. Louis van Gaal has an ego, definitely a proud man, but doesn't give a shit about criticism. Like, yeah, like he's not a fragile ego. No, no, not at all. He has a lot of um, confidence, self-belief in what he's doing. Like, the ego is so big, yeah, you say, it's not fragile in any way. Like, it's it's self-sustaining. Now, what the USA, what do we think? Just because they're the, fresh, the team that got eliminated in the knockouts. They did have some good showings, I thought, in the World Cup. But yeah. not enough goals, once again. Yeah. Pulisic is not a striker. No, exactly. Like, I think that was our question leading into this match, was where were the goals coming from for USA? And I guess it just shows, like... The whole tournament, where are the goals coming for them? Yeah, like, they have four years to figure that out. I mean, I think they've got an exciting bunch of players, and the USA can, probably, because they're not necessarily the best team in their continent, and to be fair, they will not be playing qualifiers. Yeah. So, their their coaching staff will have the ability to impose a style of play. Like, there's an issue, like... An international level that kind of mimics what happens to Norwich every season. Like, they absolutely destroy the championship. Like, no yeah. hope hell for anyone else. Yeah, and yeah. then they can't play like that in the premiership. It's not viable. No, exactly. 
and like a lot of club a lot of teams that are excellent in qualifying like Canada were excellent by being attacking and like and credit to them for sticking to their principle and what makes them good yeah but you know they sometimes you can't do that against a team that's better than you yeah you're here to you know uh, it's one of those. Are you here to fuck around or play golf? And you know, if yeah, you well, exactly. the other team's also better at you than at golf, then you know you have to fuck around a bit. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. No, it, it, you say it's very much about the same as Norwich, right? They, they all there's teams that are coming through, having played a particular brand, a particular style that worked well in the in the federation and the qualifiers and through. But you say you get to here and it's just not not suitable and you can either go the Norwich way and just be like eh we're here playing this way we're going to continue playing this way or you know you try to adapt and change and but then you find yourselves not playing style that fits you and you you know not used to it and people aren't sure what they're doing and then that doesn't work either so it's a little bit damned if you do damned if you don't yeah I mean it's a weird thing, and we'll get into it, like, the manager's conundrum when they're at the international level. Mm. So in the next round, we've got Argentina and Australia. Um, Australia, <laughs> after, a, after a very, very credible performance in this World Cup, go out. Mm. Um, I think they can be justifiably proud of what they've yeah. achieved. Um, and they were not... They were... Uh, they played well in that game against Argentina, just not good enough yeah. on the day to beat oh, them. They got pretty close to pushing yeah. that into extra time. I mean, Argentina yes. was reasonably comfortable, and then Australia made it very uncomfortable. And they say that last kick of the game, basically, well, pretty much last kick of the game, almost got in. Um, but, yeah, Martinez yeah. managed to get some of his body in the way somehow and kept it out. But, um yeah, Australia definitely showed that they were not um, not pushovers and not just also runs. Yeah, yeah, they were definitely good for a potential first time quarterfinals appearance. Um, and second time. Uh, oh yeah, time. they would have been good for the first time quarterfinals. Yeah, second time round of sixteen. Um, next up we have France versus Poland. Uh, the game that you called correctly, France winning and winning yeah. well. Winning, well, um, winning better much, than I thought, but yeah. They basically demolished that defense when they could. Uh, when they got After they got that first goal, Poland had to attack. There's not much they could do. But I think the Poles, yeah, the, it's what we expect. They were good enough to make the second round, but if they faced a top-tier team, they weren't going to go ahead. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, yeah. That is, yeah. Pretty much the answer there is that France was just too good, and they could make it through, which is exactly what I was thinking. I thought that Poland's defence was pretty good, which is where you were coming from in your point, um, and that would be hard for France to score, but in the end, France scored reasonably easily, but as you say, that was getting a nice early-ish goal, and then Poland has to chase the game, and that just opened the game state makes a difference Yeah, in a real-time strategy game. Uh, and and like it's now knockout, right, so you can't can't hold back and just, you know, stem the tide and, and hope for a equaliser. You do have to push forward. So, and any time a team's pushing forward and trying to attack, that's more, that's more chances the other way. And a team like France is just way too good not to 
Like very few teams have the sheer patience of Croatia. Yeah. To do what they do. Yeah, exactly. Like, and we'll get into Croatia because definitely interesting things to say about them. And mm -hmm. we had England versus Senegal. You and I both picked Senegal, but England yeah. easily winning, deserved winners, pr good performance, and this was a good team they played. Uh, Senegal side that's depleted, um, yeah. but you know England, I think, expectedly won for their home fans because you know because of the depletions for Senegal. But I think once again Senegal, good tournament. Um, unfortunately, you draw a good team like England. This is what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, yeah. Yeah, we thought that Senegal was going to you know, step up and, and work here, and also we were imagining England to stumble. Um, yeah. But, you know, the English team, I think this was one of their... That game against Senegal was probably one of their best games of the tournament. Um, yeah, they played really well. Clinical, yes. scored, and didn't scored. really make it look like Senegal could score. Like It, it was never in doubt that, that game. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, whisper it quietly. Hmm, maybe Joseph Guardiola's interested in a certain Jude Bellingham after his performance for England. Yeah. A bunch of city players around him. Yeah. And also previously been very good with an Erling Holland in front of him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. It's probably going to happen, but dear God. Yeah. But it's just called City getting like the next five premierships or whatever. Yeah. And like that's the rebuild. It's done. Holland, Bellingham, done. Yeah, done. Like so efficient. <laughs> uh, so then we had our next game, Japan versus Croatia. I think Japan put up a very, very good performance against Croatia. Yeah. Look, went to penalties. Croatia is experts at winning at penalties. I think Croatia is just penalties. about. Yeah, Croatia's just about experts at taking knockout World Cup games, taking them to extra time, taking them to penalties, and winning in penalties. That seems to be their thing. It's like really just, you say. Not they in don't a panic. boring way that no. they are over defensive. They're just like, no. this is the thing. I, like, there are te passing teams and there are passing teams. Germany and Spain seem to be obsessed with playing the perfect game of football. Yeah. Like, Scoring the perfect goal, executing the perfect set move with passing, you know, getting yeah. it done. And Croatia does that, but not because it's like it is an ideology thing, but it's also a material thing. They've got three incredible passers in that mid yeah. middle of that midfield. The itches uh, with uh, with Luka Modric, uh, uh, Kovacevic, and uh, Brozovic. Yeah, just in that central three, just pa controlling everything. Uh, they do, and they it. do that so well. Like it's amazing watching the three of them. Croatia are happy to just keep passing the ball, make very few mistakes, walk around, walk around, and they'll wait for you to make a mistake. That's their game. And if you're not patient and you, you know, and you make them, yeah. and you screw up somewhere, they will pounce because they are. They have really good passers who can, who can progressively pass the ball. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and but if they don't score, they're not. They don't lose their patience. They don't lose their no. rag. They just stay the course. And even like, if someone scores against them, they don't don't suddenly change tactics or anything. They they have a lot of trust in that system that they will score a goal. Also, like 
can they do? They don't have the players. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a thing if you are a like you know like a team that has something in the wings to wait and bring up along. Uh, but I think uh, they unfortunately England don't uh, sorry uh, Croatia do don't have any players like that. Fortunately or unfortunately, so they know mm. their style and they have to trust the system. Yeah. And these players have played together so long that it's almost may as well be a club side because they know yeah. each other's game so well. Yeah, and it um, shows as well. I mean, I I know we both said in the previous podcast we thought they were getting a bit old and that you know we thought the Japan game was perhaps going to be too far for them and that the you know Croatia was a Spain and Germany version Japan three. Could have but, won. Yeah. yeah, this was a game Japan could have won. Sorry, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they. You know, once it went to penalties, you knew Croatia had the edge, just because everybody yeah. in that team was so calm. Yeah, unfortunately, poor performance in the penalty shootouts, like three misses. Yeah. Very, very... Uh, so I think... But Japan will be happy with their performance this World Cup. Really yeah. good. Two great wins against two great teams. Oh, exactly. And, and, you know, almost got it done with Croatia. I mean, you have to give something to Croatia's goalkeeper, like, the Oh, now. yeah, 100%. So good, so good in these penalties, so good shot in, in all this. Like, yeah, it looks impossible to get past sometimes. Yeah, like, Livakovic is incredible. Yeah, yeah, with the um, with that, uh, next on we had the last Asian team, which was <laughs> uh, South Korea. Um, yeah, Brazil did Brazil <laughs> things. They really did. Like that first half was just Brazil Brazilling it a hundred percent. Yeah. They just uh, yeah. It was they amazing. Didn't give, they didn't give Korea, uh, the Korea Republic any opportunities to come back in that game. No. They never looked like losing. They conceded a uh, they conceded a goal at at one point and then didn't panic, just scored another one to increase go back to a three-goal three lead. No, they'd scored four in the first half. So um, they, Yeah, it was four. The first half was 4-0 by the end of the first half. Oh, you're right too. Yes, yes. Beg your pardon. But, yeah. but they still didn't panic when Japan scored their goal because they had plenty of... Um, plenty of buffer and they just shut back up and just did their thing. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, then... We had the Morocco versus Spain. What a game this was. Yeah. Nil all, but that would tell you none of the message. Morocco, play, if it was, if we looked at it based on passes, it would be basically 250 to 1,200. This is the game that typifies why you cannot be so idealistic at the World yeah. Cup. Like... I know Spain are picking a version of themselves that has the best players, and they have Morata up front. I mean, mm. to be fair to Spain, who else do they have? He is yeah. the best striker, if you're going to play a striker. And Spain did play a striker, so there is a certain level of pragmatism to their game. But it was built on, like, we're good at passing, let's double down on what we're good at. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's unfortunate for them. They're a very, very good side. Really, really fun to watch. Um, yeah. really good players. Um, while I love that Morocco went ahead to the quarterfinals, um, 
but uh, I was sad to see Spain go, but yeah, well done to them. They've got, they're going to be an incredible team to uh, come up against in Germany in 2024. They're going to be a threat. Oh yes, 100%. Uh, yeah, that Spain team's very good. Um, say just a little bit unfortunate for them. They just came up with a team that just had their number. As you say, ridiculous stats on the passing. You say thousand to three hundred, and Spain's at ninety odd percent pass accuracy as well. So that's lots of passes going to people. Just yeah, not in an area that's threatening. So they had one shot on target. Yeah. So that just yeah, I think that just shows everything because that Morocco just outfoxed them as well. And was yeah. yeah. It was a chess game that ended in a draw, and then you decided to have a penalty shootout. Yeah. Morocco won. Oh well, and then that one definitely like the Spanish players just didn't look like they wanted to take those penalties, whilst the Moroccans well, yeah. were a lot more determined. Absolutely. Just in the way they walked up to it as well. And that's that's like most of the way there for a penalty shootout. You've yeah. got the confidence, you know, you know. And and Bono it was an incredible form. And he has been an incredible oh, form. Yeah. That also like, helps as well. <laughs> Morocco have only conceded one goal so far at this World yeah. Cup. But that's an amazing performance. That is amazing. It's just crazy. Yeah. Um in the last game of the round of 16, we had Portugal versus Switzerland. Mm. Yeah, I saw that game live from beginning to end. I still don't believe what I saw. An incredible performance from Portugal. Like, I think they immediately almost became favorites for the tournament after that. Yeah, 100%. Without Ronaldo as well, getting yeah. uh, to, like, came off the bench later on to make a bit of a cameo. But, hey, yeah, they... And that's pretty much all it was, was a cameo for him. Like, yeah. yeah. It was definitely the Ramos show. Like, yeah. That was, yeah. A, that was a crazy game. And just amazing. So this is where, uh, like, we're going to uh, talk a bit about it. Like, with the, like, Portugal, they've got a coach who's been there for a long time. I think he is about to retire. So they will have a new... But they have a great young squad. I don't know if Cristiano Ronaldo will be there for Euro 2024. He might be. Maybe. Who knows? But Possible, actually, I guess. But, but he'll be, him. like, really the veteran of this yeah. great young core of Portuguese players that are here to... They can take Portugal forward. Like, Portuguese football is producing incredible, ta incredibly talented players. Yeah, they really are. Um, so I think they can go uh I think they'll be a good team in the next World Cup as well. Yeah. yeah. Um but Switzerland, yeah, very disappointing for them. They just after putting in all that hard work to get here, they just had a really bad game where they lost their reg. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, to me it just it really just showed that perhaps this was as far as they could go. They met Portugal and they just they weren't good enough to 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 push Portugal at all like that was just it was just seemed it was too far for them yeah yeah absolutely yeah um then we go to the quarterfinals yeah we had 
Croatia versus Brazil. Another incredible performance from Croatia. <laughs> so amazing. I think we can agree. Yeah. Just like it looked like Neymar had sent his country through with a la with an early extra time goal, like yeah. a clutch goal as well. Oh, it was from Neymar. Clutch. It was very good. End of that first half of extra time, Neymar just did Neymar stuff and was like, you know what, I'm I'm winning this game. But apparently it wasn't to be. Yeah. But Croatia don't give up and like we said, they don't no. panic. They live by the what's not really the sword, is it? More like <laughs> they live by the bow staff and they die by the bow staff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It was another one of those crazy like as well, like last minute final kicks of the game that keep them in as well. It was just yeah. It was an amazing uh, game as you say and it was full an of incredible game. Full of all sorts of different bits of football drama, I'm saying like spent most of the game like all the, the original ninety minutes. Tess on grass, definitely. Croatia doing their thing. Brazil, flair on both sides, all around the park, looking for it, not quite getting to it. Little bit of fire showing up, and but Croatia continuing on. Get to extra time. Some Neymar brilliance, and then you say just Croatia not giving up and just trusting that they're going to get it, and they do. Um, Croatia doing Croatia things, I think we yeah. can agree with that. Yeah. And then. The yeah, best game just... of. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, now, there were so many good games in this quarterfinals, yeah. so I. Uh, and I enjoyed every single one of them, but. Netherlands versus Argentina was the best game of the tournament, oh. in my opinion. It was amazing, but also nerve-wracking. As an Argentine fan, like, you're just like, how could we, how could they throw that away? Like, I, I was gonna, to I was gonna bring it back to this conversation about Louis van Gaal. Man, he almost <laughs> got them through with this tournament. But, like, this was, how bad was the refereeing in this game? Like, it's incredible. Incredibly, like I, not spoilers for the one of the future games. We think I actually thought this wasn't the worst refereeing. There was a lot of yellow cards thrown around. He seemed like there was a ref- there was there was not enough yellow cards thrown around at the beginning, including like when Lionel Messi played volleyball with the ball, <laughs> and then there was basically to make up for it a flurry of cards. Like who the heck gives? somebody a yellow card during a penalty shootout when they're waiting <laughs> behind like it's within your right don't get me wrong but like let it go at that point yeah that game just got very very testy um, there was plenty of um, plenty of niggles both ways and everybody seemed to be wanting to have their, their say whether they were on the field at the time or not um and yeah, it's, I don't know, it's about at one point the ref had just sort of got himself into, lost a bit of control, yellow cards were just getting thrown and he wasn't, he was struggling to get it back. Um, he did sort of feel like he got it back and then it would slip out again, so there was a little bit on the players there of just being very... Um, if he had let, if he had stamped his authority early on, 
the yeah. players wouldn't have gotten out of line to begin with. Like, because at that point, when you're trying to make up for previous, and you start doing too many cards, the players just don't respect you. No. Well, it was just... all, the problem is it was already out of control, right? So if it's already out of control, throwing cards around doesn't help anything because everybody's all fired up anyway. So it's not diffusing any situations, just adding fuel to the fire. Same point, it's it's hard not to hand out cards because everybody's all extra aggressive about things and things are being said and tackles are flying in, you sort of need to... But yeah, it, it is one of those things. If you lost control as a, as a ref in any sport, it's really hard to get it back because you have to be... Suddenly you have to be on top of everything and you have to be... It's yeah, one just, thing I admire about Rugby Union where the refs just be like, guys, we're adults here. Yeah. Don't just be adults. Like, the first time something out of order, like, they just come, like, he's not brandishing cards. You go, like, guys, we're adults here. I don't want to treat you like children. Let's just make a game of it and, like, get get stop the silliness. There and is a, be like... Yeah, there's a lot to be said to just calling the, ref, the captains over and just having a word and being like, this is getting silly. Let us... Exactly. We're adults. Let's adult this a little bit. Just go see your teams and just calm down. And there's a little bit in, in football that that doesn't happen. It happens in rugby. It happens in hockey. That, you know, as a hockey ref, that's definitely something that happens. You just... Things are getting out of control. Sometimes the easiest way is just to call the captains over and say, go go get your teams in a huddle. Have a quick chat. You know, things have got a bit silly. Let's just take a Thank moment. Also, reset. Don't rugby. let me throw the cards. Yeah, and look, and to be fair to rugby union refs, they totally go if a player goes, but sir, this, this, this happened, and they'll go, ah, shit, I didn't think about that, you're right. Yeah. And like, <laughs> actually change their call. And they have the power to do that. And like, like it's a grown-up sport, like, it's a, you know, yeah, it's yeah. so rough, and like, you know, hard, and athletic, and you know, tempers flare in rugby games. I'm not saying it's not passionate, right? No. And like, Yeah, very passionate sometimes. And like you know, and it's uh, it has like athleticism and adrenaline pumping through. But like you know, at the end of the day, people, the ref has an open door policy. Like yeah. you can come to him with like, I don't think this is right. Like come on, and they're like you know, uh, the the ref can be like, yep, okay, I understand. But this is why I, this is the way I ref. This is what you're gonna get. It's gonna be consistent though. And then you can't complain if it's consistent. It's consistent. And the other thing is the the ref. If you come and be like, oh, ref, they're doing this and blah, 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 blah. And you'd be like, oh, yeah, I'll watch from this side, the other side of the ruck next time and just make sure. Like, this, the ref, I think the difference there is the ref is, the refs do play, or lean into the, hey, we're only human. We can only blow what we see. And the players sort of, and because the refs take that and say, we're only going to blow what we see. We'll do our best to try and see this stuff. And if you point out that uh, shit's happening on the other side, We'll go around the other side occasionally and just keep an eye on it. But everyone, like, there's no big, I am, I am the word and the way and everything and nothing else. Only what I say is correct. They're like, no, we're, we're human. We're going to make mistakes. If I don't see it, I can't call it. So I'm going to call what I see. And if you don't like that, you know, I, I'll try to call better next time, I guess. But, and that seems to be something that works really well with the players accept accepting that the refs are also human and therefore yeah. will make mistakes and they go, oh they made a mistake and 
The other thing being that rugby seemed somewhat, it was somewhat, embraced video uh, replays reasonably well. So the refs, you know, if something has happened, the refs aren't afraid to be like, hey, well, I didn't see it. Let's go look at the video replay. Let's get a video replay of this and I'll see what different angles I can see. You know, something weird's happened. Let's see if we can find a video replay of it. Put it on the big screen. I'll have a watch myself and then I'll, I can come up with what the decision is. I guess a little bit of that is that rugby being a very, always been a very stop-start game anyway, sort of lent itself a little bit to the extra stoppages of the ref being like, ah, oh, I'll have a bit of a think about this then. Yeah, well, football yeah, doesn't quite have that. But yeah. And I think the, uh, this is the thing, like the Premier League tried to introduce that with that respect campaign. And mm. this is the problem. Managers immediately undermined it. Yeah. <laughs> so what can captains do? If the behavior from the top is, you know, make the job as difficult for referees as possible. Yeah. Like, it's a thing. And it's a problem in football because, you know, it's you're not getting people wanting to do the job. It's too stressful. It costs a lot of money. Yeah. And, yeah, it's a very... It, it's going to be a problem. Because you'll either... Go, you're only going to get... You're going to get to the point where people who have the potential to be good referees are probably not going to follow through with that career because it's a difficult it's difficult and very stressful. Yeah. You'll get people who genuinely seem to think, you know, they want to be the center of attention. Yeah, exactly. You're going to You're going to get the wrong type of person who wants the job. Well, you're going to get the type of person that fits the mold that you're shaping. And if the mold you're shaping is you have to be you know, very dictatorial and very look at me, look at me, and I'm the center of attention and everything matters to me. That's what you're going to get. And at the moment, that is what football is molding their referees, or the position of the referee into. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, so, like, refereeing aside, I think this game, two goats, right? Lionel Messi, Louis van Gaal. Yeah. Oh, uh, it was. I mean, the game itself, yeah, was just a roller coaster of everything. Look, we're gonna give Messi his plaudits because we're gonna go through the, yeah, you know, the rest of the quarterfinals, and obviously we're gonna talk about him, yeah. like, as uh, no spoilers for reasons why. Uh, but like, Louis Van Gaal goes out with a bang, I think, for the Netherlands, yeah, yeah. showing everybody his, like, you know, why he's such a good manager, so highly regarded, why the yeah. players. In Holland, like the Dutch team, absolutely yeah. love him. I know he's going to retire, and it's you know he deserves to go out into the sunset with a game like this, yeah. just coming out oh. with. And the thing was, this game was like a managerial masterpiece from the Netherlands. Two 0 down, he throws on two big centre boards, changed the shape, changed the strategy, and it was a masterclass. It just worked, and it just you know, and I Netherlands. Think... He also let his players feel it through. Like, yeah. they were like, look, we're putting it out there. Let's see what they do to react to our big guys mm. coming into the box. Oh, look, we're playing actual long ball. How can they deal with it? Oh, they seem a bit nervous. What do you guys think? Let's keep hitting Like, Argentina yeah. just has no answer for the long ball. No. It's a bit of a pity that in extra time the Netherlands went back to a more defensive shape because I always yeah. feel as a Netherlands fan I don't like penalty shootouts like we've only <laughs> ever won in 
in a major tournament. That was against Costa Rica, where Tim Krul famously came on. Yeah, yeah. Um, once again, Louis Van Hall. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> engineering something incredible. Yeah. Just, it's one of those things. Like, Louis Van Hall is like the classic mix of ideal material. Like, the Netherlands have an ideal. They have a philosophy. They know what the country... Uh, and But it's designed by the material because they know that their country produces a lot of really good attacking players who know yeah, how to yeah. pass, know their system well. So they're, you know, they're, he's not married to the, oh, we have to be a 3-4-3 classic Ajax system or a, you know, 4-3-3. He goes with, you know, he, his formations are fluid because that's the classic Dutch way. The whole yeah, yeah. total football, we decide, positions are decided by game state, yeah. not by, you know, pre-game you know, pre yeah. plans. Yeah, they're not predetermined shapes, just say. It's total football. And it's what is the what is the game like? What where do we need to be? But also he's happy to go it's ever the it's total football, we're doing things but also we've got a big man up there. What do you guys yeah. think you can do? Just <laughs> think about it. Yeah. And he's like This is <laughs> what's gonna happen. And I think really a really good performance from the Netherlands to come back from that. Um yeah. It's always bad sign when the first penalty is miss is saved. Yeah. In a penalty shootout, like I think that is a really important penalty. Like you need to keep your team on the on the front foot. And yeah, missing the first penalty is just not a good not a good start. And the Argentinian goalkeeper saving two penalties from the Netherlands. It's yeah, yeah. The first two as well, just, yeah. Yeah, the first two, just a gap too far in the end. Um, and the um, Argentinians make it through with a tense, mm. tense penalty shootout into the next round. Yeah. Uh, next, then, we had the game of the the second game of the quarterfinals, as I like to call it. <laughs> Morocco versus Portugal. Historic game. Congratulations to Morocco. The first yeah. African to make a semi-finals. You and oh, I have been calling an African team to make the semi-finals every World Cup probably <laughs> since Cameroon 1990. Yes. <laughs> finally. Finally happened. happened. Yeah. Yeah, I say it's Morocco as well and they're a really good team. So it's, yeah. Incredible team. Like, so well organized, so well coached. I think it's very, Im it's some uh, interesting things that Morocco's done, like overall, like the coaching team. Because he's only been at the job for three months. Like, there's been a lot of talk in football blogs, and especially Tifo today, earlier after the game, they're discussing about the problem with being an international manager. I think I think it's important we get into it, because I think a lot of the games demonstrated that. Mm. Um, at the World Cup, a lot of teams are in that position, because somebody in the comments of at, a, at the Tifo live stream went, oh, yeah, we shouldn't just we just shouldn't bother with national managers. The players should just decide what they want to do. And oh. games, 90% of the time, they'll probably be better. Yeah. And there's a logic to that, but sort of Morocco yes. kind of typifies that. Like, he's only been at the job for three months. Yeah. Their current manager. Um, the uh, He took over, he managed to convince Zayek and Hakimi to come back into the team. Uh, he's just, he's kept, he's got a philosophy that's easy, uh, that the team buys into and clearly know how to play. Um, yeah. 
they've had injuries galore, so the team have definitely have good spirits because they've come back from losing players, injuries, to who you know, which has led to um, you know uh, led them to be more resilient. Um, and this yeah. thing because he talked about like you know because he's an African coach and or an Arab coach, and he's only he only gets opportunities to work in Asia and Africa. Yeah. And he'll never get a job like at a club like Manchester City. He's like he explicitly said like he, and he only got the Morocco job after like you know Hassan Salavic who's like a veteran international coach, incredible, you know, very good coach. Yeah. Uh yeah, had just basically lost the dressing room quote unquote huh? and had to leave 3 months ago and he came in and he because he won the Africa Champions League with uh Raja Casablanca. All right. Um, so yeah, he's had to do the hard yards, and yeah, you know, he's done. He's gone as far as he can with the opportunities that'll be given to him, unfortunately, because mm. uh, of his background, and you know, because he's not never played in like a European, you know, top European club. He's yeah, yeah. Not, didn't, doesn't get opportunities to manage in Europe, and you know, doesn't get opportunities to, uh, you know, so he has to find his work where he can get it, and that's usually Middle East and. Uh, North Africa, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's taken Morocco through. He's shown the value of his football, I think. Um, and these are interesting things. Like the Moroccan team, don't their families and children are allowed to stay with them at their hotel? Oh, nice. Um, so that's been producing a lot of like you know great scenes after games. Like you know the kids of the players are showing. Oh yeah, up, no. you know? they're showing that. Yeah. yeah. And they do that, and like you know, Hakim Zek got a big hug from his mom when he went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he got to the semi-final, like just these sort of things, and you know, like the World Cup is a very isolating atmosphere. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. Like, like if it, if England were to do something like that, as soon as they get out, like the press would savage the wives and children. Like, oh, they were a distraction. They were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This and that. Um. That's one of those things, right? Like where, yeah. if you're a coach, seems to think like, a, like by removing family and people from where you are, you're helping them become more professional, like because it does, uh, prevents emotional things coming up. Yeah. Especially if you've got personal issues in your life, and coaches don't want to get involved with that. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think we know at this day and age, like. If you want to, uh, trying to suppress emotions is not the way you control people who, have, who are very emotional. Get help no. It's not going to help know. control those emotions if they're already very emotional and feeling fragile. It's yeah. like you help them to learn to use it as a tool to help them, right? And like, yeah. obviously, if you don't get along with your family, don't invite them to your World Cup hotel thing with your, that you're coming with. Like, don't do that. Like, that's going to end badly. Oh, you and your wife are going through a bit of a divorce and like yeah maybe tell her to stay home with the kids that's probably for the best probably at that point yeah uh, but you know if you're like you know in a happy home situation and it's tough and lonely out there and you're just very stressed out about whatever's happening at the game like you know why not why not your mom to talk to or your wife your yeah partner, exactly you know? It, like, it makes sense to me, like, you know, what's more calming than, like, getting to play with your kids after a really, you know, 
stressful game, seeing them be happy that, you know, like in front of you, as opposed to like watching them on a Zoom call. It's not the same. Yeah, yeah. it's not the same. It's saying it's a, it allows for that de-stress and that decompression so that and helps like, them get back into the game mode for the next game quicker. They're and not also, like, caught up. I feel like, it, I feel like it also keeps you grounded. Like, your family's mm. there. They're going to give you shit, like, as all good families do. Like, keep yeah, yeah. you motivated, but also, like, keep you from being, you know, like, you know, like, I assume these people's, because their families are there with them, these are not dysfunctional families. They're going to be, like, both giving you, like, gentle crap, like, gentle ribbing to keep you grounded, but also be like, we're very proud, you've done really well, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. exactly. Uh, that you like the sort of thing like it, it can be a load taken off the coach because also he's only been there three months he doesn't know everybody's personalities and yeah yeah think. exactly he just goes okay like they're gonna help you keep emotionally grounded I'm gonna talk about tactics and keep you motivated and like inspired yeah. well and in the tournament you say it means he can concentrate on the football side of things right you say he hasn't been there long enough really to understand all the ins and outs he yeah. can just take some of that away and focus on the football. Still has to do a little bit of it, but focus on the football. Yeah, yeah. And that's uh, like to paraphrase, well-deserved Morocco going ahead. Yeah. Clearly were the better side on the day. Basically mm -hmm. outplayed Portugal with, with their counter-attacking style. They were never afraid to push forward. So Portugal always had to keep, you know, they could never properly attack and go all out, even when they were a goal down. Yeah. And, like, realistically, Bruno played very, very well, but the rest of Portugal was empty. There's, like, yeah. They have a lot of good players, and I think Bruno Fernandes could be an incredible leader for this team. And, you know, hopefully, for, as a Man United fan, I hope he takes this frustration and anger that he's feeling now back <laughs> to United and make, does something positive with it. Yeah, to yeah. help uh, uh, through the rest of the season. Um, but yeah, the uh, the Portuguese team, they uh, this is probably the first time they played an opponent who was going to test them properly um, yeah. in, a, in a way that even South Korea, that game, they kind of fell asleep. Yeah. And like that was a warning shot. Whereas Morocco, Portugal tried to beat Morocco all game, and they were behind. They couldn't fall asleep, and Morocco, you know, held them off, and made the right tactical changes to counter uh, what Portugal were doing. Yeah, yeah, I think that was the thing. This was like the one where the game where they met a team that was going to counter, was going to contain, move, and 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 do that. Same. And they did it very well. Morocco, so. Yeah. Almost the perfect foil for Portugal. Yeah. Now, just as a side note, so the, the Morocco get to play France, so they play the three countries that have colonized Morocco throughout history. But yeah. also, I realize, they also at some point colonized Portugal, Spain, and France. So, yeah. you know. Deep histories we're dealing Deep with history, here. Yes. Um, then on we had the ancient rivalry. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, England versus France, the old enemy for both sides. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so the 
this game you all watched, I'm very, very impressed by your son's analysis of the game. Because he was on point so many times. Yeah, yeah. And called what was going to happen. It's so like, well done to him. As a good understanding of the game at his age. Like, talking about, oh, they're going to do, they should make this sort of change to bring this guy on to attack on these sides. And look, I wouldn't talk like that at eight about football <laughs> games. No, neither. No, he, yeah, he has a, a lot of deep understanding of the tactical knowledges of it. That's, yeah. Really, but, really interesting to hear. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we were talking about, oh, this guy's starting instead of this player. He's like, oh, yeah, because he's better defensively for this side, right? And I'm like, yeah. oh, exactly. And he had, the way he understood why the VAR thing worked, because at first I thought he would just be confused, unfortunately, and it's a rule and stuff. It is not easy to understand no. for adults, by the way. Yeah. And then... When, you know, we were explaining it to him, he goes, it's only when they're not sure if it's actually a goal, like, for offsides and a red card. And then he's like, and the handballs? And I'm, we're like, exactly right. Yeah. Like, he just thought about it. He's like, okay, the big things. Like, that's it. Yeah. You know, he understood what we meant by when VAR can be used. And it was like, yeah, really, really good. But also, be very, very remiss of me if I did not mention that Connor also shows a very, very deep understanding of the game. If a player has a high FIFA rating, they're a good player. Yeah. And that's, you he know, <laughs> like at his age, he understands. Yeah. Bigger number is better. <laughs> this player is the better player, therefore they're good. It's like, you win at FIFA by having higher number than the opposition. I'm just like, yes. like he gets it. <laughs> Uh, it was, yeah, very classic. But he did also call, like, oh, I feel like, because at first he was like, oh, I'm going to support England, they're doing, and then suddenly at one point he was like, oh, I feel it changing, I think France is going to win now, I'm going to support France, and then they scored a goal a few minutes later, so, <laughs> he actually called it. Yeah, yeah. You can see the change coming. Uh, and it kind of came against the run of play, France, incredible goal from... Yeah, oh, amazing. Yeah. Um, Chimini, um uh, scored an incredible goal there, and Olivier Giroud. I mean, I know he's an ex-Chelsea man, so you must have a bit of a soft spot for him. But how good is Olivier? Just goes in, yeah. does the dirty work. Just happy. You know, we talk about cavalrymen have to be convinced they have they have to dig trenches, and yeah. infantrymen do it because they know. Um, yeah. He knows. He's happy he knows. to see and yeah. play dirty and dig the trenches. I love to see it. Such yeah. a model pro. Such a good player. Um, and that was that was true the last he World Cup, right? He, he yeah, was I the one that was digging in for France and could be relied on, and he's just doing it again. Yeah. He needs. Uh, there needs to be a goal. There's yeah. Drew. And it, just this time, he's actually scoring the goals. Whereas in the yeah. in the last World Cup, he kind of almost didn't need to. He was drawing the defense so much. He was providing all the assistance one way or another last time, right? And this time, yeah, it's it's the he's doing that. But. Griezmann and Mbappe and Co were just getting the goals around him, and yeah. he wasn't needed to score. But yeah, today, when France need him, though, he's been getting up and scoring goals like you and I thought before the tournament with the best current player in the world Karim Benzema getting injured and not playing that that was a big blow for France and then we remembered oh yeah France they have a ton of good players <laughs> yeah, like, oh that's right we've got some other people there 
they'll have Juru. He'll be <laughs> Juru. He'll do Juru things, and then yeah, we look. Exactly. Yeah, I forgot Juru things are actually quite good. Yeah. <laughs> but no, he he definitely Juru definitely showed his class today as well, and just dug it in, and say he needed they needed a goal, and who else? He was there, and and got his goal. Absolutely. And he, he was the difference, I think, in many ways between the two sides. Yeah. Because he was always providing that attacking threat and, like, base threatening that def uh, the English defense when they tried to get up the get out and get um, goals. Like, it's very... I, I know a lot of people in England will were defending the players and defending the player, and I get it. I do get it. But, you know, they hadn't... If you don't count the two penalties... Because obviously penalties make your XG much higher. Yeah, Their yeah. XG was less than one. Oh yeah, like, no. That's well. a very... Uh, the, like, you know, they didn't create real chances other than the penalties. And both penalties were really defensive errors rather than... Oh, oh 100%, got, yeah. Where we have to stop them and, like, you know, it, we have to do what we have to do. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, exactly. And you're right. England didn't really threaten a lot. Sort of like they were threatening, but they weren't. Say the XGs were low, but they weren't able to get shots away or good, good quality shots uh, on target. They say other than the defensive, you know, penalties that they managed to draw. And to be fair, that was sort of how that game was going, where England was sort of around about, and France was just putting in the defensive work. They were both reasonably soft penalties I guess the no actually both of them were super soft penalties that didn't need to happen from France but they did um, England just just didn't have the that finishing touch that bit of space and that spark to do something and France had two moments of that where they had two players that stood up and were like we're going to get the shot and we're going to score a goal and they did that was a big I, difference. I think it would be very remiss of me if I didn't mention, I think, the guy uh, who probably has been France's best player all tournament, and he put in another great performance, Antoine Griezmann. Oh, yeah. Incredible performance from him. Just, you know, going toe-to-toe -to -toe with that strong English midfield with players like Foden, uh, uh, Henderson, and... Uh, Bellingham, yeah, the, you know, like not taking a step back. Um, yeah, very, very good performance for France. Basically, pretty much every good move they had started with him. Yeah, exactly. And so many times also making crucial interceptions to recover yeah, yeah. the ball or prevent, you know, slow down an attack. Yeah. It, so it's this thing where France, Didier Deschamps, and England, uh, England's Gareth Southgate. There's, there's there's this big argument about from both and, and France freaking won the World Cup by the way like this is when you know you're spoiled where they think they wonder if Didier Deschamps is too defensive to be the coach and he's not getting the best out of the players <laughs> and vice versa England Gareth Southgate's not getting enough best out of the players yeah. let's analyze this openly even if you agree with that thing those coaches aren't getting the best out of the players who will take over England yeah. or France like, the only person I can think of who might come in, who will be a more attacking coach, and 
is old school enough to be materialistic as well as idealistic for either team that might be willing to do the job is Arsene Wenger who is yeah. like in his 70s and he's yeah, been retired yeah. for three years yeah. sure maybe England might be able to convince Jose Mourinho maybe <laughs> oh no that would be amazing like, it wouldn't be, like, a long-term thing. He'd be like, oh, yeah, look, one tournament, three months before, Jose, come in. Get the boys motivated. Get them to win. Yeah, yeah. And Jose could do it. Like, yeah. maybe. And I'm like, this is, like, like, it wouldn't really happen, right? Like, we know, so a manager, like, that level, like, you're talking about one guy who's retired and another guy who's at Roma right now and, you know, he's... Kind of build, coming, making a comeback, right? Don't call it a comeback, but it's a comeback. <laughs> he's doing his best to to do it all, yeah. Yeah, and the yeah. like, the Dutch can always lean on someone like a Louis Van Hal type, but though yeah. that generation of players are retiring, so I don't know who's going to be the next Dutch coach. To be fair, like it's. Mm -hmm. Very interesting question, but who would France replace them with? I can't think of a French manager like maybe Laurent Blanc. Maybe, maybe. Like I think he's like uh, uh, he's now managing somewhere like in, in Europe. I I couldn't tell you where he is. Like Larry no, White. Um, yeah. so there's eight. There's nobody there. B. Even if you could convince, I'd say Joseph Guardiola goes. Yeah, I'm gonna take England through. Yeah. Like, how much time does he have to mold England into a team? Like, Guardiola is the idealist of idealist managers. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, sure, he's happy to be pragmatic and do things that need to be changed for the game state, and he will tinker, and he will tinker, and he will tinker <laughs> to get it right. Like, he yeah. doesn't need to play the perfect game, but he needs to play the game that'll win. Like, you know, he wants to win that tactical duel. Yeah, but, yeah. But... Okay. But, you know, like, he's going to come up against managers in international football who are happy to low block and then shift to mid block to uh, to set, unsettle them or just go, oh, yeah, let's just throw long balls at you. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, or a team that'll just go, okay, in the first ten minutes, in the first five minutes of the game, one of our midfielders are just going to kick a player in, the, in your team in the chest just to, like, <laughs> set the tone. <laughs> Just yeah, that, make sure we're all, all on the same page here. And like, you know, that's the strategy. And like, yeah. you know, what are you going to do in that situation? I mean, <laughs> I'm sure Guardiola knows this and he has a plan for all of it. But, you know, I'm just struggling. Like, it's, it's still difficult for me to see him do that. And like, look, Guardiola's only won a Champions League with one team. Like, yeah, I think every international team would love to have Carlo Ancelotti. Oh yeah. He's managing Real Madrid. Where's why is he gonna go manage an international? Yeah, well, like, Carlo yeah. could probably make this England team incredible. Yeah, That's of course. One guy. But you know, once again, why would he go? Like yeah. he's at Real Madrid. He's winning Champions Leagues. You know. Yeah, yeah. They're not gonna get rid of him. And I think Real Madrid are the perfect club for Carlo Ancelotti. He, did, you know, he's just there to go. These are the best players I have available to me. I'll mold them in this way to get the best out of them. Yeah. You know, bigger number equal better. <laughs> exactly. And he does that. Um, yeah. And this is like, like Croatia, as idealist as 
idealistic as they look, and they are. They are doing what they're also being materialistic. Like I said, they're yeah. going the best players. The best way for the most likely way we are to win games is by passing and doing this, and we just have to hope we get the chance and win. It's yeah. like the English cricket team. They have to attack because they can't win by playing defense. No. And it's not a look. We'll fall back to our defense. We have it in our locker. They're like, no, we. If we keep it in our locker, we're never going to attack in full. Because that's the only way we can win. So they never considered defending in Test Cricket, by the way. Like, the, I'm talking about their Test team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, that's become the philosophy. Like, we lean on what we're good at. Yeah. And, like, Croatia are leaning on what they're good at. Um, even Brazil, leaning on what they're good at. Like, I, like... People at Teach, uh, uh, Tifo got a lot of crap because they were, you know, they were praising Tite for going and scouting a lot of the Brazilian players in their games in Europe to understand how they fit in the European system, All right, integrate yeah. more of it into a Brazilian system. And and he was saying, like, look, I don't think a Brazilian traditional Brazilian system or a European system is better. He's just going there. If I do things that are familiar to them, I'm more likely to get a better outcome from them on the pitch. Which makes true. sense, yeah. And Tiche is not doing... Uh, while his team were fun to watch, and it, like for you and I who love watching the tactical side of games and just watching the moves and what they do, uh, they were not Joga Bonito, like, you know, Philip Scolari 2002 team. Or even the 2016. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there are... Uh, the... So there was the issue there. And then the two uh, teams that had good club managers, like Luis Enrique at Spain, Hansi Flick in Germany, you know, they one got out in the round of 16 and the other got kicked out in the group stage. And yeah, exactly. Spain nearly didn't make it out of the group stage. Very yeah. close. It was mostly helped by the, the uh, big first up winning against Costa Rica. That's what let them basically get out. Like, without that... They would have been a lot less secure in their, their yeah. qualification. So, like the realistically, Louis Van Hal has overperformed with his Dutch teams. They're not as good as Golden Generation esque Dutch teams. Like you yeah. and I have grown up with a Goldenish generation. Like we were, we're too young to remember the original Dutch Golden Generation that yeah, yeah. back finals. But, you know, we're talking about the late 90s, early 2000s Dutch teams. And then, you know, the the teams that made the fight, the team that made the finals in 2010, you know, that they're much better than the teams in the 2010s, right? Like, you're not, yeah. you're comparing, doesn't have, you know, comparing players like Schneider, Robin, you know, to players like, you know, Memphis Depay, good player, but, you know, not in the same class. Not in the same, no. Exactly. He's retired, and it's an emblem. It's an emblem, right? We're talking. At, uh, uh, the only other coach like him who could do help is Arsene Wenger, and he's also he's also already retired. Yeah, exactly. And so, perhaps, you know, that sort of coach is gone, right? We're not talking a cl- guy guy with his pedigree at club level who's willing to take a national job. Yeah. Like, that doesn't exist. Like, a lot of people think about, oh, yeah, Graham Potter would have been a good England manager. Graham Potter is managing Chelsea. Yeah. Like, he's not, he doesn't want to manage England right now. No. Yeah. It wouldn't be on his, his radar at the moment. He's like, no, I'm, I'm doing this job. This is paying lots of money. So. 
Eddie Howe is managing a... Newcastle, so he's not yeah. gonna. You know. And I think Eddie Howe would be an incredible manager for England. Don't get yeah. me wrong, but you know, he's doing an incredible job at Newcastle, so he's not going to. Uh, Brendan Rodgers, he's Welsh. He doesn't want to. <laughs> um, yes. And that's, you know, like, there's really nobody else who can do it. And, like, all those club coaches need time to implement the system. Graham Potter needs t teams to learn his system. Yeah, exactly. Eddie Howe needs teams to buy into his philosophy. Yeah. Like, all these things that, you know, that take time and you don't really get that. And Gareth Southgate's already done that. The players like him. They love yeah. that he's. They they feel like he listens to them and like there's an open door. Policy. He understands how to get the best out of them, but he's a naturally conservative manager. And yeah. you know, like he's the sort of guy. Like if he was managing a team at the in the Premier League, none of us would be worried about facing him. Yeah, exactly. It would right? be like a. That's what a manager he is. Yeah, the thing you'd be worried about was oh, how much you know. It's just gonna be park the bus uh, to get past this. Uh, they're just going to yeah. play for the nil or draw. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's this thing, like, where, how, what is the ideal way to manage a team at international level? Like, and it's a question. Yeah. I think you brought up a good point there as well, that the good club coaches have a system and they have a philosophy and they, need, they come to a club and they build their team and they have the chance. Don't really... That's not how you manage the national side. You get a little bit of that with your know, selections, you know, who do you select? But you don't really get the chance to build a philosophy and, and build a, a structure. You sort of have to... You, know, you do that by selecting players, but you don't... That... Spain is an exception. Spain is yeah. an exception. Like, we yeah. put Spain to one side. Like, there's no well, other country like Spain. Like, Spain, in footballing terms. Yeah, Spain proves the, the the rule, right? It's the exception that proves the rule. But nobody else gets to do Spain stuff. They don't, yeah. yeah, don't have that. So you don't have the ability to 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 build a. England literally has every Premier League player has a different manager playing a different style. Exactly. Like, so they've got to somehow then come and learn a new style. No, you need a manager that is. Ditto is... Germany. Ditto Italy. Yeah. Um. Probably also France. Outside of PSG, every other team plays like this. You know, nobody can play like PSG. Yeah. But your PSG style is not League One style. No, no. So, like, I've heard suggestions like Thomas Tuchel. Like, no, Thomas Tuchel can't do his system in England. No, exactly. And also, okay, assuming he would take the job, uh, let's assume, like, for example, that he's, got, he's willing to take the job, like... Thomas Tuchel is not going to implement his system at in England. Jurgen Klopp is not going to get the team to understand what time you know the the system of pressing that you yeah. need. They need a more simple system of pressing. Exactly. Like Morocco did with Portugal. Exactly. I think that's the thing. You've got to have a simple version of the of whatever you're doing, so that because they're only going to have what a couple of weeks at best before a major tournament to get up to speed with it and they're playing whatever system they are in their club you know and then you suddenly got to get them no you got to play this completely different thing no you've got to have some sort of hybrid system that sort of fits in with all the clubs that they come from and i'll put South america to a side as well because argentina yeah. has a goat level player 
So, yeah. you know, build the team around him. Don't be an idiot. Build a team around him. Well, that's that's the other option, right? And that's like, the South American way almost. Like, and Brazil are the pseudo... Are, are Spain and Netherlands-esque. There is a natural philosophy. We know the certain type of players Brazil will always produce. Yeah. They're going to be well, highly technical. There's going to be, like, you know, they're going to be very positionally aware. It's up to the coach to decide who to pick for their system. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I like, think. But it has to be simple. Like, they never try to overcomplicate it. No, no. It's a, yeah. So, and that's more just they've got a style that's associated with their team and they will continue to pick that. And, they, and, people, and the t- Brazilian players know what that style is, so that's how they play. So if they want to play you know, the national team, you've got to, that's what you've got to do. You've got to play like that. So. Yeah, I don't know I, if it's so much you, that it produces players like that or that more the fact that you have to, the player has to mould himself like that. If, if they want to play, they're good enough yeah. to play. Well, yeah, and like to a certain degree, Brazil's almost not in control of the type of players it produces because so many of their young players move to Europe. Yeah, exactly. As start the higher part of their education, like you know, when they're 18 years old. Yeah, yeah. Like, Croatia is going to do when this generation of incredible passers retire. It will just have to be a new, a new philosophy, I guess, or a new new way. It will depend. Maybe they, they get just another. Wait for bachelor's. the current crop of, because this is one of those things. When you have a, a golden generation that ages well, is you're almost losing a generation after because they don't get their opportunities to play for the national side, mm. and then. You know, they don't develop together on a national level. Like, you know, they can't yeah, yeah. play with the national team because, you know, they haven't had enough time with the national team. They're good I mean, players. They're still going to be... They're probably... Like, Croatia's going to produce enough good players that they'll always be... At, you know, they're always probably going to qualify for World yeah. Cups, European Cups. But, you know, it's what they do at the tournament. You know, that'll... That'll make the... Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see what happens after this golden generation. Like, it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, this weird situation. Like, you and I were saying, like, I don't know, I don't know if I told you, like, I was saying, like, when Saudi Arabia lined up with a 4-4-2 against Argentina, I was like, I love a team that plays 4-4-2 unironically. Like, yeah, yeah. No, this is a real 4-4-2. There's no, there's no false nine here. They're two strikers. They're out yeah. to get balls, you know, the winger, the the right and left mids are there to, you know, go to the corner flag and, you know. Yeah, whatnot. exactly. It was a standard 4-4-2 and, the, and like the classic um, tactics that go along with it. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on from that, let us talk about the upcoming games we yeah. have. Semi-finals. We are at the squeaky bum time of this uh, World Cup. Definitely. Yeah, we got a. We've got first up Argentina versus Croatia. Literally, Oof. the geriatrics versus the goat. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. But oof, this is what we gotta say. Like, how much ball can Argentina realistically expect to have? And what 
and I don't think Croatia are going to be one of those teams that specifically plan against Messi. They're planning against the system, right? Yeah, yeah. So yes, it is going to be interesting because it is sort of a clash of styles, but at the same point, both of them have the style to beat the other. Like it, it feels like Croatia style feels a good way of beating Argentina. Like it's hold the ball, don't give them the ball, keep it away. Also, the, oh god, I was just saying. But the Argentine style seems a good way to to defeat the Croatian one, you know. Which is hard pressing, get in there, disrupt their passing, and and win the ball back quickly, and then and then hold it themselves, and and yeah. and work the ball left and right and left and right, because yeah, Argentina to me, very side to side, tic-taca, well not tic-taca, whatever, very side to side passing, and yeah. Croatia's very vertical. They, you know, Modric will run into a gap. And if it doesn't work, then he'll stop and pass back, and the ball will go back, and you know, Kovacic will run down the other side and see if something's happening. And everything. So it's very, very vertical sort of movement. Um, so it could be interesting. Yeah, I will say Croatia win by, like, uh, this conversation like on Tifa once again, where they were saying that Croatia are a team that almost win by absorbing the energy out of the other team. Yeah. Like yeah. Definitely. Energy. And like yes. basically making the other team lose their patience. And I just sit there going like it's gonna use a gaming metaphor. Like whenever you have like a tactical like RPG game, like or a squad RPG type game, mm-hmm. like you know, or like a WoW raid, like you have these like you know, you have your tanks, you have your DPS, you have your like utility and whatnot. All of these things. But the thing is like you can never make with these games, there's always a problem when you try to make a guy whose ability is debuffs. Because yeah. to make them useful, there'll always be a guy who comes up with a formation with like the whole team is just debuffers <laughs> and they have a secondary ability that they're not as good at as a guy who mains it, but you know, because we're debuffing the other team, I'll be we'll be better on the day. Yeah. And we win games. Yeah. Like <laughs> like you either have no debuffers in the game or they're pointless to play because they're underpowered as hell. Because if they're even mildly useful, somebody will break the game. Yeah. Like, nobody can play anything else. Exactly. It's like card games. Like, a fast meta where everybody just hits face is better than the meta where everybody's playing control. Like, because you can't play anything else. Like, control is too powerful. Yeah, yeah. You know, like... Croatia are that team that sap the energy out of you. They're all spoilers. They're all counter. You know, they counter everything good. Argentina have lost their nerve this World Cup several times. They lost their nerve against Saudi Arabia. Um, they yeah, held their nerve against Mexico. Um, they lost their nerve against Holland. Uh, I don't know if they lost their nerve. They lost their. They really they know lost how their to cons- with the long ball and yeah. like it was. The, the, if the Dutch kept doing that, that would have been a very difficult game for uh, Argentina in, ex- in extra time. Yeah. Um, I, I feel that the extra time sort of helped. There was a problem in the second half. I mean, Argentina lost control of themselves. That was part of the issue. Was I didn't really feel like they'd lost their nerve. They were facing things that they were having problems with, but I felt like the emotions of the game 
and boiled too much into it. That was leading to it. And extra time did the end of the first, second half and that time before the extra time seemed to, whether it was just everybody being tired or whatever, yeah. the extra time halves weren't as feisty, weren't as confrontational, weren't weren't the same. There wasn't... It's almost like both sides said, okay, truce, truce, we'll do penalty shootouts and figure yeah. this out. Because we're... Figure it out that way. Yeah. ...of energy. But, like, I usually shouldn't have ever been in that position in that no, game. No, no. 100% no. They should, they should not have got back like, like that. You can praise Louis Van Hal rightfully as much as we want. That should have never worked. It should not have worked. There's no way. And, I mean, it nearly didn't. It was, once again, another foolish tackle well or whatever challenge in the air at the end of the second half like deep deep into added yeah. time that gave Holland their free kick right on the edge of the penalty box and then they worked magic to, to score a goal like actual magic yes but like they there was no reason to give away that free kick like the Argentine players just yeah, they, but they like did that themselves. first goal as well, like that was such a soft goal. Like the first Dutch goal was such a soft goal to get yeah, but that, at that point. It was a soft goal, but at least that was the Dutch playing the the, the football yeah. that they had set up for and was good. Yeah, that was the causing problem. Like, they got if their that goal. Was, like don't get me wrong, if that was the first long ball the Dutch kicked up and they scored from it and Argentina were like, Oh, okay. I would I could give it to them because that happens. You know, yeah, yeah. change of tactic, first time they try it, they luck into a thing, and they're like, oh, okay, you've changed tactic, we now have to do our change. Yeah. But, you know, they've been pumping long balls for a while. Yeah, yeah. And they kept doing it because Argentina kept losing their shape defensively, because they could, didn't know how to handle it. Yeah. And it's like, okay, come on, we all know, we all deal with long balls, like, that's the purest form of the game. Yeah. How can you not know how to deal with this? It's a, I felt that it was more than the rest of what was happening in the game. Where it was a very, there was lots of emotions in that game, and it was a very fiery game. And there was things being said like, and all sorts going on that 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 contributed there because, and it was a Dutch Argentine, you know, knockout game. That's there's history there, and that was bubbling up and had been built up in the press a little bit, and for whatever reason that seems to have got into the players as well, and there was just lots going on in that. Um, and I think that didn't help Argentina. That, you know, I mean, I think yeah. feel like they lost control of themselves more than they lost their nerve. Like, it may just be semantics, but it's just... To me, it's a, it's a slight difference between... They they should have been able to deal with what happened. Like, lost their nerve says to me that they never would have been able to deal with it. But they should have been able to, but because of what was happening in the game and how everything gone, and just everything, yeah. they... They let it get. They really should. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But this is the thing: the crowd is going to be on their side against Croatia, and Croatia yeah. are used to that. Yeah. Um, Croatia aren't a team that collect cards. They don't. No. They're patient. They will do it strategically rather than because you know, the in the spur of the moment sort of thing. Um, Argentina to beat Croatia without penalties is going to have to be patient and. Uh, you know, moment of brilliance that that the, you know that Croatia can't counter, and then basically hope that you know keep Croatia from scoring. Yeah. Because you know? yeah. they're they're not going to give up. They're going to have the ball. They'll patiently wait and wait and wait for you to make a mistake. Exactly. If Ar 
they don't make a mistake, they will win this game. Like, yeah. that is how you beat Croatia. That is... <laughs> Just but, play the perfect game. <laughs> but, you know, this is not a perfect Argentinian team by any stretch of the imagination, and I don't no. think we've seen a perfect performance from them in any no. of their games. No, no. So, I, I, I agree I'm just going to call it. This game's going to be a draw. It's going to be one all. I don't know who's going to win in penalties. I just Oof. can't pick it. <laughs> so, I'm just going to say it's a draw. One all. I, I'm, I'm going to give this to Argentina in possibly an extra time. But, yeah, 2-1. I think you're right. There's going one. to be the, the swing. I think they're going to get up an extra time. And then the Croatia's going to do Croatia things, but I think it's just... They're gonna Side hold. note, I do want Argentina and Messi to win. Yeah. That's putting it out there. But I will not complain if Croatia win. Like, they're a good team, well-deserved. Oh, very ahead. good team. And yeah, if Croatia wins, know how they've won. And it's by playing the football they've been playing, and they've been playing it so well that you just you cannot criticize them and be like... You just look and go, you're just playing so well. Just crazy. Boring. It no. feels boring on paper, but it's not. They're no. incredible. Watching them is not boring at all. It is, yeah. Memorizing, I would say. Like, you just watch them, you're just like, this is so good and so, so good to watch. Yeah. Then we have France versus Morocco. The yeah. Africa versus the country that colonized most of Africa. <laughs> now... A lot of these players from Morocco also have, you know, they're, uh, they're born in France and Spain as well. Mm. Uh, there's a long history between these two countries. Like, Morocco will know the type of what the, this French team can bring, and I think this French team are very well aware of what this Moroccan team can bring. There's not going to be any surprises. Oof. How do you call this one? <laughs> How do you call it, indeed? I mean, I just look at it and just go with my heart. And that is, I want Morocco to win at this point. They're playing too well. They're, they're too good a team. It's too good a storyline. Like, let's just go Morocco. Come on. Do it again. Beat like, France. Go to the final. What's the scoreline? Scoreline? I think I'd stick with the 1-0. Like, that seems to be like, real hard to score against Morocco. That seems to be just... Something of theirs um, could go penalties. That that's a possibility. Maybe it's the nil all through the penalties again. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'll stick with the one nil and just go. Yeah, I I am gonna take a bit of an out here. I do think Morocco's gonna win if. Amrabat in their central midfield, who's basically been part of every single good move that Morocco has had this World mm -hmm. Cup, recovering the ball, getting forward, and like, uh, and uh, uh, contributing, you know, guarding the counters. He's mm. available. Yeah, I think Morocco will. I also agree. I think Morocco wins. I think if he's available and he can play all game, like all 90 minutes, Morocco can win this game too. I think they they have the defensive shape and tactics to keep France from scoring. Yeah. And I think England showed how you can keep France from scoring. Um, they made they made a few soft mistakes. Yeah. To let France score. 
this game. I don't think Morocco are going to do that because they're not as nervous. They've already, quote-unquote, won the World Cup. They're yeah, playing yeah. with house... They're definitely like, playing with house happens, money now, yeah. They, yeah. Whatever happens, they're you know, going to go home as heroes. People are going to love them forever. Like, you yeah. know, they're already an immortal team. Yeah, exactly. As far as Morocco and maybe even Africa are concerned. Yeah. So... Uh, France, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. This is heart, not head saying. Like, my head's like, like obviously, France is going to win. They've got yeah, no. better players, they've got an incredible uh, uh, set up, like, they gel well together. There's chemistry. Yeah, I just think, yeah, Morocco's going to win. That's what I think as well. 2 0 for me, just because I think they're going to get an early goal, and I think France is going to chase and chase and chase. And gonna, one of the times they're just going to chase too far, you'll get the second goal to seal the win. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, where are we going? Argentina, Morocco? Argentina, Morocco. That's the final. Yeah. I like it. I like it. And obviously, a Messi win. He lifts the, lifts the, the World Cup. Cements his, his legacy and, and can retire from international football. If Argentina and Morocco go to the finals, I would love for Morocco to win. <laughs> but I would also love for Messi to win. Yeah. Like, this is not a. Uh, like, it's almost a. Well, at the end of the day, football's a winner here. Yeah. If that happens. Now. Football will be the winner on the day in that case, yes. One of the. There's like a channel I follow called Zealand Football, which is about this American guy who plays a lot of football manager. Right, and yeah. as a fun exercise, he did 100 football manager simulations of the World Cup. Right. And, and yeah, basically the most number of wins was Brazil, something like 12. Yeah. Oh, no, no other team won more than um, uh, won more than 10 times. Right, but yeah. Uh, Morocco won with one. Ooh. Nice shit. Wow. So... Maybe we were living in that world. Or maybe living in that timeline. Yeah. And yeah, why not? Why not? I wouldn't be upset too upset because it's just an amazing... Yeah. Morocco's playing so well, it's... Finally, someone that's not... Morocco in the finals would be the one team that would have more fans than Argentina. Potentially, yeah. I don't know if in the stadium, because the Argentines, it's still Messi, and he's very well supported. At this oh, World I Cup. agree, he's very well supported, but I think the Morocco fans are there in numbers. Like they, they are there been. in numbers, yeah. yeah. And like they're also like you know living on house money. They expected the team to be you know maybe get to the round of sixteen and be happy with that, but yeah, yeah. Who knows how far they can go now? It's a dream, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And on that note, I think that's all we have time for today. Mm -hmm. Thanks very much for listening, and look forward to hearing from you next time. Catch you next time. Well, that is the end. Thanks for listening all the way through. If you liked what you heard, be even more. Find Six Four Two Discord and a buy me a coffee. Pretty sure it's buy me a beer. Oh yeah, buy me a beer on buymeacoffee.com. In both these places, you can talk to us, and we may even listen. Especially if you do buy a said beer or coffee. 
I might still be confused. Yes, we're easily bribed. All links are in the show notes below. Don't forget to like and subscribe. This is on YouTube. <laughs>